Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast from March 5th, 2018. And this is like a pretty good seven-game slate because there's already a good amount of value. And there's also a bunch of guys who are questionable to play also. So I think this should be a good slate. There should be a lot of cheap guys to use. And the good thing about there being cheap guys to use is also a couple of good high-priced guys to pay up for, which obviously goes well with the cheap players. So first game on the slate the Detroit Pistons at the Cleveland Cavaliers. This should be a really high-scoring game. It's two not very great defensive teams, and Cavs play at a pretty fast pace. Pistons are playing at a faster pace since the Blake Griffin trade. I think that Andre Drummond at 9,500 is a good target to pay up for. Blake Griffin really strong at 7,900. That's just way too cheap for him. And then James Ennis is at 3,400. He's been starting in place of Stanley Johnson over the last couple games. And uh, actually last three games in the last two games, 33 and 30 minutes for James Ennis. So at 3,400, I think that he is a good target for cheap perks in a lot of minutes from the Cavs side of the game. I think LeBron is the best pe- player to pay up for. Again, there's just so much security in using LeBron paired with a lot of upside. He hasn't scored less than 54 fantasy points since the trade deadline. And at 11,700, he has, you know, huge upside. His upside is as big as anybody on the slate. And then also, like, if his worst-case scenario is 54 fantasy points, not really that bad of a result for 5,700. And then also from the Cavs, Larry Nance Jr., 5,300. He's a really strong value play. Tristan Thompson, uh, I think he rolled an ankle last game, and he's expected to miss at least a week. It's probably going to be longer than that. So Larry Nance is going to start while he's out, and... Nance is probably going to have to play a lot of minutes. They've basically only been playing two centers, and it's been Nance and Thompson basically splitting minutes. So Nance should play 35-plus minutes maybe in this game. Zizic maybe plays some minutes, but it's going to be mostly Larry Nance. Yeah, and with Thompson out, this game probably plays a little bit faster. Um, I think, well, Thompson's not particularly good, but I think his defense and rebounding just makes for a little bit slower of a game than Larry Nance's athleticism. But either way, I mean, this game should be reasonably high scoring. The total's at 218.5. It's the second highest over-under on the slate behind the Lakers-Blazers game. And both of these teams have just been bad defensively. And the prices are pretty reasonable, so Nance makes the most sense, getting extra minutes with Thompson out. Blake Griffin's priced down. Drummond is... He's kind of been underpriced for a little while now. I think he's usable. LeBron maybe needs to be even more expensive than 11700 because there's just so much security, like you said, and the upside is massive. Uh, and then there are a bunch of other Cavs guys that I think are in play. But as you said, there's so much value on this slate that I don't think I'll go out of my way to stack the game. LeBron and Nance make sense in lineups just because of how cheap they are. Blake Griffin, James Ennis, because of how cheap they are. Maybe some Drummond, maybe some Ish Smith. Um, but I don't think I'm reaching for guys like Kyle Korver, I do think Rodney Hood is usable, but there's probably better values than, let's say, George Hill. So I think those are kind of fringe plays, and maybe there's only four or five players to really have in your core from this game. I don't think I'll have any lineups where I go with seven players, let's say, from this game, because it just it's it's too much of a reach to stack when there's so much other value around on other games. Yeah, Jeff Green uh, was ruled out again, so... The last two games that Jeff Green was out, Rodney Hood played 30 minutes and 26 minutes. So we could probably expect somewhere in the 28 
or the 26 to 30 minute range for Rodney Hood. So that, that does make him usable. I didn't realize that Jeff Green had already been ruled out. I was thinking he was questionable, but I think Rodney Hood is fine as a GPP play at 4,500. Uh, next game on the slate, we have the Milwaukee Bucks at the Indiana Pacers. These teams basically just played against each other. So what was the score of that game? Just kind of out of curiosity. It was 96-103, fairly low-scoring game. Uh, Giannis at 10400 That is pretty cheap for him. I do prefer to pay up for LeBron still, though. Uh, Jabari Parker is at 4900 I know we've been targeting him recently, except this is the tail end of a back-to-back for him. The Bucks are playing uh, Sunday night, so... Parker didn't rest for the last back-to-back except he did only play 18 minutes. So I think that he's a fade for this spot unless we find out that for sure he's going to be playing more minutes, but kind of doubt it. From the Pacers' side of the game, Victor Oladipo's find a roster at 9,100, but still kind of more just a fringe play and not somebody I really want a lot of exposure to. Somebody who I do think is in play, I think he's uh, back in the mix for me. Miles Turner played 38 minutes today against the Wizards. The game before against the Bucks played 30 minutes. He got in foul trouble against Atlanta the game before, but then the game before that against uh, Atlanta, he played 36 minutes. So it looks like the minutes for Turner are trending upward. He always is in risk of fouls, so not a cash option, just GPP. Except if he's going to stay out of foul trouble, it looks like he's going to be playing 35-plus minutes. Yeah, and this is a home game against the Bucks, who have been bad against centers all year. It's also the second half of a back-to-back for them. Both of the games, not both are road games, but this game is a road game, so they're traveling for the second half of the back-to-back. Could help Turner's matchup a little bit. I think with all of the obvious value on this slate, I won't use too much of Turner, but I think he does make sense to have in the player pool. And then as far as Giannis and Oladipo, if you're making five, ten lineups, some like a, a small number of lineups, I don't think they would make the cut. But if you're making a lot of lineups, then I think it makes sense to have some exposure to them. I think you could pair one one of them with LeBron because there could be a lot of cheap value that opens up. And I think we already have plenty of it anyway. Um, but Giannis and Oladipo both have so much upside that completely fading them, I think, is foolish if you're making a ton of lineups. So I'll be way lighter on them than LeBron, but I think I think it makes sense to use some of both of them. Okay, the next game on the slate, the Phoenix Suns at the Miami Heat. It's going to be tough, I think, to target Suns players in general for the rest of the year because they're just so in tank mode right now that the rotations are just goofy right now. So Alfred Payton did get ejected today, except it was only with like two minutes left in the game. He ended up playing 29 minutes. He was he was not going to play his full allotment of minutes, and it was because the Suns were in danger of winning that game. So it, it seems like if there's a game that they might potentially win, they're not going to be playing their starters as much minutes. And then obviously if they're getting blown out, they're not going to be playing their starters as much minutes. So I, I just think that the Suns, unless it's some spot like today where they're playing against the Hawks and it's like, oh, this is going to be a really up-paced game, I'm probably not going to want to have a lot of exposure to them. They're playing in Miami, which is a tough matchup for them, and also the tail end of a back-to-back. From the Heat side of the game, there is a decent amount of blowout risk here. They're right now nine-point favorites. Point favorites, And then also, as uh, as I had said before, the, the Suns also just bad. Playing on the tail end of a back-to-back, we don't know what kind of weird things they're going to be doing with their starters. So I think it's a justified point spread. 
from the Heat side of the game, Tyler Johnson, Wayne Ellington, and Bam Adebayo are all questionable right now. If all of them are out, then there is value to – well, there's upside in guys like Whiteside, James Johnson, and Kelly Olenek. Somehow none of them played a lot of minutes last game, even with all of those guys out. So I don't think any of them are great plays, except I think they'd all be worth looking at in GPP. So the Heat are actually up to 10-point favorites now. I think there is a ton of blowout risk here, especially if Miami is fully healthy. If all the guys are playing, I think this game could just be entirely a fade. Um, on the Phoenix side, I think there's only two players I would even consider. TJ Warren's only at 6100 which is just a really low price for him. So I think he could make the player pool, even if he's more of a fringe play. And then I guess Tyson Chandler could rest. I mean, he hasn't played back-to-backs all year, so maybe Alex Len at 5,500 ends up playing 30-something minutes again because Chandler isn't active. So I think Len would potentially make the most sense for the Suns if Chandler doesn't play, and I think that that's a fairly reasonable assumption. Um, And then the Heat will just have to see what the injury news brings because if everyone's playing, then I think we can't really use anyone even in a plus matchup. Yeah, off the top of my head, I don't think Tyson Chandler's played on the tail end of a back-to-back all year. But he also hasn't played for a while until Sunday. So that's another weird situation for the Suns. So yeah, I, I don't know I don't really know what they're gonna do. And there's so many so many injuries for the Heat. I think it's just kind of a wait and see for this game. Well the Suns um are at least a little better than let's say the Kings at reporting rest news. And this is a seven thirty game, so it's only thirty minutes after lock. I think we'll definitely know if Tyson Chandler is going to play or not before lock so at least we'll get the information even if we don't have it right now all right next game is the boston celtics at the chicago bulls from the celtics side, i don't really think that there's any particularly great plays i say this all the time with the celtics but it's it's just spread minutes spread production and they never really have anybody who's that cheap unless there's injuries everybody's kind of other, Kyrie's in like the 8,000s, and then everybody else is like the five to 6,000 range. And yeah, every once in a while, there's going to be a big game there, except that I, I wouldn't think of it as you have to play them because you might miss out. It's easier to just fade the whole situation because it's only going to be once every couple of weeks that there's a big game from a Celtics player, and it's going to come at low ownership anyway. From the Bulls' side of the game, it is a very tough matchup, but I think that Bobby Portis is worth rostering. He's 6,200. He's a really good per-minute fantasy producer. He scores 25.5 fantasy points in 22 minutes per game this year. And the Bulls are switching up their starting lineup. Portis is starting at center with Felicio coming off the bench. So I think Portis is worth looking at at 6,200. And then Zach Levine at 6,600. Once again, tough matchup. But I just think that's a little bit too cheap for Levine, who's overall been really good for the Bulls this year. Yeah, I agree with you on Levine and then Portis. The concern with him is always if he just doesn't get minutes because maybe the starters are outplaying him. But if he is starting them, there's a lot more minutes security. So I think Portis is actually much safer on this slate than he normally is. Um, and then a price that kind of just jumps out from the Celtics side. Al Horford was up to 8000 on DraftKings just a month ago. He's all the way down to 6300 in a plus matchup. He's been playing the same amount of minutes recently that he's always played he just isn't really doing much do you have any idea what's going on with Horford uh what well for one the Celtics I think have been in a lot of blowouts in both directions recently and then I think his minutes have also just kind of been down in general though uh 31 21 24 32 
Yeah, they just haven't really been playing a lot of minutes recently. He also hasn't played well when he's been on the court, but uh, a lot of it is just the minutes down, maybe getting ready for the playoffs. I don't, I don't really know exactly what the reasoning is. He had a stretch for a while in January and February where he was scoring over a point per minute in basically every game, and he, I don't think he's done that since, looks like February 4th was the last time. Where he's done it once since then, where he scored more points than minutes played. I guess he just hasn't played well, but I think there is upside for him. And maybe the low ownership, like you said, could be a reason to use him. This is basically as cheap as he's ever been. And Daniel Tice is also questionable, so if he doesn't play, maybe Horford plays. I don't know. There's a few extra minutes there. Um, and then I guess on that note, would you use Aaron Baines if Tice is ruled out? Uh, no, I don't think so. Tice has missed the last couple of games. And Baines played 22 minutes and 12 minutes in those two games. Yeah, I guess Marcus Morris is back, so he's playing more minutes. And Marcus Smart is back. Oh, you know what the other thing is? I, I forgot. Uh, Monroe is uh, in the Celtics rotation now and he's playing there minutes. There it is. So There's the guy we forgot about. Takes away some minutes from Warford. Yeah, and that takes away minutes from Baines, too. And, yeah, that, that kind of just is a whole mess for Boston. They have too many good players, so just bad for our purposes. All right, the next game on the slate, uh, not a game with too many good players. The Memphis Grizzlies at the San Antonio Spurs. The Grizzlies have already ruled out Tyreek Evans, Andrew Harrison, um, who, uh, who, oh, Mario Chalmers. So, and then also Marcus Gasol is questionable, Deontay Davis is questionable. It, it's so many guys who we don't know who are going to be playing or not. So I, there could potentially be a lot of value here, uh, but it's kind of hard to know where it is. I think Kobe Simmons and Ben McAmore are kind of fringe value plays. Tough matchup. They're cheap. Neither of them are particularly good, but still cheap in a lot of minutes, so they could be worth using. From the Spurs side of the game, LaMarcus Aldridge is questionable. So if he's out, then Pau Gasol, there's some value with him. Uh, Davis Burton's going to end up drawing the start. But overall, there's just a lot of questionable players here. So what I'm kind of hoping happens is that we just go into lock where everybody's questionable and then we don't really have to pick anybody from this shitty game because there probably isn't going to be a ton of scoring regardless of the situation. It's just it's kind of hard to pass up value when we know it exists. But the easiest situation would just be everybody's questionable, and then it's there's enough uncertainty where nobody's really rostering anybody. Well, these two teams, though, have actually given out their injury information in, I guess, a timely manner. They, we, we've kind of known with Memphis and with the Spurs pretty early in the day recently who's playing and who's not playing. So I, I think it's maybe too optimistic to expect that we just won't get the updates and it's just an easier situation to avoid. I think we will know something, especially with Aldridge, um, I don't know how much this matters, but last time the Gasols played against each other, Pau Gasol had basically his best game of the season. He was one assist away from a triple-double. Either way, he's too cheap if Aldridge is out. So I don't know if you want to boost him because he's playing against Mark or downgrade him because it's a hard matchup defensively. But Mark Gasol is also questionable. So Pick your narrative. Yeah, you got to pick something, right? Those are, the t- those are the two choices. Either it's better or it's worse. Um, but I do think if, if Marc Gasol is out and Pau Gasol plays, the matchup definitely is easier. Marc Gasol is 
kind of the only reason the Grizzlies are even remotely good on defense, and they aren't even that good on defense. I think they actually are below average. Maybe they'd be the worst defensive team in the league without him. If Marcus Gasol doesn't play, it's an easier matchup for the Spurs side. I guess there would be a lot of blowout risk, but then if LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't play, there's not that much blowout risk. So I think Powell could end up in a really good spot, and then I guess those cheaper Grizzlies like Kobe Simmons and Ben McLemore probably are worth using anyway because they're going to have to play a ton of minutes. The Grizzlies just don't have a lot of active players for this game. But yeah, like you said, we're going to have to wait on the news for Marcus Sol and for LaMarcus Aldridge and also for Deontay Davis. Um, I'm just checking Ivan Rab's price before we move on because he was really chalky last game and was terrible. So maybe people will be off him, but I can't find him for some reason. That would also depend on Marcus Sol being out. Yeah, do you know what Rab's price is? I just I lost it. I don't. It's not showing up here for some reason. He is at. Um, find him on the on the DraftKings app. Um, thirty six hundred. Yeah, if if Gasol and Davis are out, then Rab has to be in play. So that would be someone to definitely use, even though this game is a pretty bad one overall. All right, next game on the slate is the Orlando Magic at the Utah Jazz. This is another game with a lot of blowout risk. The Orlando Magic are terrible this year. The Jazz have been playing much better recently since Rudy Gobert came back. They're also much better defensively. Vucevic and Gordon are both really cheap based on what we're accustomed to them being pricing, priced at. So maybe you could look at them in GPP, but they're very risky, and the only upside they have is just due to them being priced cheaper than they normally are from the Jazz side of the game. I think that the Rubio-Gobert correlation makes some sense. Gobert has been priced up, but playing really well recently. And then Rubio, 6,500, is still cheaper than where he was prior to the injury. And he played 34 minutes last game, so no more minutes restriction for him. Yeah, this looks expensive for Gobert, and it kind of looks expensive for Rubio, but I think the matchup is good enough that both guys are in play. I think I'm probably going to be very light on this game overall, though, because the matchup for Orlando in Utah is a brutal one, and there's a lot of value on the slate. But I guess uh, Rubio, I think, makes the most sense of any of these players. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what was the injury? So he had a a calf injury, and he was playing really, really well prior to the injury. I think he was priced in, like, it was the mid-7,000s, if I remember correctly. And then it was just... He got injured. He came back with a minutes restriction. So obviously only playing 18 to 25 minutes per game, he wasn't going to be producing as well. So there's still a little bit of pricing value on him. The, the issue, and it's a really good matchup. The Magic are giving up the third most fantasy points to point guards. The, the biggest issue to me is the blowout risk. So final game on the slate, Portland Trailblazers at the LA Clippers. I'm, uh, no, Lakers. Yeah, the final Lakers. Yeah. So from the Portland side of the game, Mo Harkless is questionable. If he can't play, Evan Turner is going to start in his place. Turner played 33 minutes last game, so I think in a plus matchup at 4,100, he's in play, but that's contingent on Harkless being out. Uh, Nurkic, fine as a GPP play, has upside, has a lot of downside. If I'm using a guard from the Trailblazers, it's going to be Lillard. McCollum has played decently lately, except he's gone all up to 7,700. That's a lot more expensive than he's been for most of the year. So Lillard, I think, is the preferred guard. And from the Lakers side of the game, 
Lonzo Ball's at 7,300. I think that's okay. He's been playing much better than he was at the beginning of the season. He's actually making his shots now, which I think is really encouraging for him as a prospect. And the minutes lately, 34, 35 minutes the last couple games, still working his way back from that knee injury. So I think we could see 36-plus minutes from him in this game. Uh, eventually the minutes stop going up because there's only so many minutes in the basketball game. But I think full minutes for him, and I think that there's upside, especially if Brandon Ingram's out. Ingram's currently questionable. He missed last game with a hip injury. If Ingram can't play, there's also more minutes available for guys like Isaiah Thomas and uh, KCP. Yeah, I think I'm going to be pretty light on the Lakers if we don't have Ingram news or if he's in because there is a lot of value. We've mentioned a ton of options, and the Lakers have so many – players who are kind of just fairly priced but have a lot of upside, but it's kind of just really hard to figure out which one of them is going to have a big game. This isn't a particularly good matchup against the Blazers um, from Portland. I agree with you on Lillard over McCollum. I think McCollum's price when we were targeting him the last week or so was actually below 7 k 7700 is a pretty big price increase, and I think it comes after a 50-plus point fantasy performance in the last game, so he's just gotten too expensive. But if Ingram's out then I think there are actually a bunch of Lakers that are much more viable. Ball is probably fine, but I think Kyle Kuzma is in play. It's more minutes for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who's just been ridiculous over the last couple weeks. And then maybe even Isaiah Thomas as a pivot off ball. And then Julius Randle has just been so good and priced still in the 7,000s, which is probably generally too cheap for him. So I think all of those guys are decent plays if Ingram's out. But if we don't have the status on Ingram, I think they're all just kind of fringe plays, and I probably wouldn't use much of any of them. And then I'm just looking, what was the price on Nurkic? Because he's always GPP viable, but I think he's gotten a little bit expensive. Um, 6700 Yeah, I guess that's like kind of a fair price, but because of how volatile his scoring is, fair price means that he has a ton of upside. So I guess, yeah, Nurkic is someone to probably just have a little bit of. Yeah, and let me look what was... I think Nurkic has been priced over 8000 this year. I know that was last year. He's been over 7000 But he's been year. under 6000 too, so he was obviously yeah. a stronger play when he was in the fives. But yeah, he's also been in the sevens, so this is kind of just around the middle for him. He had a weird stretch, actually. He had four games in a row a couple weeks ago where he went over 31 fantasy points, which is an uncommon amount of consistency for him. Usually he's kind of like 15 fantasy points, 40 fantasy points, but uh, good enough spot for him. I think that he definitely has a chance to play well against the Lakers front court. So that will finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GRMBerdFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense, and we'll be back tomorrow.